Welcome everyone back to another episode of the Hexen Media Group podcast. You've probably heard us talk quite a bit about AI and all the different things they can do. However, today we've got a unique opportunity. We've heard a lot of different stories about people that have used ChatGPT, have different opinions, and we are fortunate today to have an actual uh, professional in this field that we're going to compare ChatGPT's answers versus the real world professional's answers. So with my, it's my pleasure to introduce Colin Day. Colin, would you like to state who you are, who you're with? Sure. Uh, Colin Day, financial advisor, certified financial planner, professional. Uh, I am an advisor with Capital Wealth Management in Clayton, Missouri. So let's let me just ask you a question. Yeah. Have you had a chance to experiment with ChatGPT? You know, I personally haven't. Um, so this is like a fresh <laughs> start th- for you? This is fresh. Okay, I, I've cool. attempted to get in, but I've been one of those that have been, you know, fail whailed into, you know, hey, maybe come back right. you know, when the server isn't so busy. So I am very excited to get into this and see what well, kind I'm of real world scenarios. Definitely. And I'm very excited to hear, you know, because we already have the answers mm-hmm. and you haven't seen these answers yet. So we're going to get your take versus what ChatGPT says. Yeah. So without further ado, I want to get into the first one. And this is a pretty simple one. I'm giving you a softball here. Thank you. Um, so we asked ChatGPT, what does a financial advisor do? And I'm going to read their response and then I'd like you to respond to that. Or do you want you to have yours first? Um, no, I, I, I like the original plan. You, you want to hear it? Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. So we're going to throw this up on the screen so everybody can read along so you don't have to stare at me staring at my computer the whole time. Uh, according to chat GPT, a financial advisor is a professional who provides financial guidance and investment advice to individuals and organizations. A financial advisor can help you develop a financial plan, assess your current financial situation and identify strategies to achieve your financial goals. Financial advisors can provide advice on a wide range of financial topics, including Retirement planning, investment management, tax planning, estate planning. They can also help you navigate complex financial situations such as planning for a major life event like buying a home or starting a business. Colin, do you agree or disagree? That's Does that describe your like job position? <laughs> <laughs> well, first, that's impressive. Yeah. Um, I did not know that that's what chat GPT could, uh, could spew out. And I shouldn't even say spew because it's better than spew. <laughs> Um, That's why it's so popular. Microsoft put $10 billion into it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can see that, you know, this is worth a couple pennies at minimum. Um, no, it, I mean, exactly what that answer is, is, you know, well, I mean, it, it, with some nuance, it's mm-hmm. pretty darn close to what we do as professionals. You know, the only thing that comes out in, in this response is, you know, what, what financial advisors do. And, where I see a little bit of a caveat here is that not financial, uh, not all financial advisors are going to be able to do the things that it describes. So it, it lists off like uh, retirement planning, investment management, tax planning, estate planning. Mm-hmm. Not all advisors do that. Oh, so it's more specialized. It, it, it can be more specialized or it could be limiting depending on the financial advisor um, ecosystem in which they exist. So they Got may it. work for a particular firm that doesn't allow them to talk about certain things, um, keep you at an arm's distance. And the mm-hmm. one that, that sticks out the most is like tax planning. You know, for, for us as financial advisors and fiduciaries, it's, it's very important that we consider taxes when we think of mm-hmm. current situations and retiree situations. But not all advisors are allowed to talk about tax. It's all talk your tax well, preparer. That was one of the things that I found interesting about this too, is that you know, we've had some conversations because we produce a lot of content for the business uh, of what you can and can't say. Yeah. And ChatGPT isn't limited by those guidelines as, well, you'll, you'll soon find out as we I go through so. this, <laughs> <laughs> right? So let's just be clear. This, some of these things that he's responding to isn't Colin saying this, it's, it's you know, ChatGPT. Right. 
But was there anything in there that that you feel like or that you know from being in your industry that it did get right or that it shouldn't actually say? Do you think it should have been maybe to your to your uh, last statement? Do you think it should have been more specific saying like there are certified professionals that do just these things, or do you think it's okay to just to give a generalization? You know, I, I think as a starting point of trying to understand basic topics, it does give you the answer that you're looking for as opposed to typing into your favorite search engine what I'm looking for and hoping that one of them answers that. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of time it's you don't know what you don't know. And this at least gives you the idea of saying, oh, you know, I never really thought about my estate plan. Is that something mm-hmm. that I need to consider? That uh, the last part where they talk about navigating complex financial situations, and we can, these kinds of life events that they're describing there are pretty much the number one reason people talk to an advisor in the first place. There's some kind of triggering event that says, I, I didn't know that I needed this. You know, a loved one passed away. I don't have a will. That's probably something I should talk to an attorney about. Or I'm receiving an inheritance, and I've never had this sum of money before. Who do I talk to? We've engaged with people in the past two weeks. You know, one person is, you know, moving to a different country. Mm. How do we, how do we navigate that? How do you even start yeah, <laughs> planning that? Co- that so that currency conversion, the sure. whole deal. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're going to, they're uh, moving abroad. They're going to come back. So what does that look like for them? Um, we, you know, somebody came to us recently who is still a couple of years from retirement, but partly they're starting the process now as opposed to a month away from retirement where we can make a meaningful difference and lead up to the plan so that when they cut the retirement cake, it's not, Oh shoot! What am I going to do with my four hundred one k? Or what am I? <laughs> what, what pension planning uh, should I have done at this point? Did I elect the right option? That kind of thing. So let's give this first one a grade, and we'll do this in some of these other ones. Mm. What do you think out of ten? What does a financial advisor do? Chat GPT. What are your thoughts? Assuming a ten is like an A plus. Yes, I'd give this a. I give it an eight. Okay, solid job. solid A for. Uh, we'll put some numbers up here. Chat GPT yeah. one. Should we say, well, I guess we could say one and one cause you're tied. We can't say column zero <laughs> cause it's, e- it's equal. Uh, all right, let's go ahead and move on to the next one. All right. So next one, we're going to get a little bit more specific. Um, cause you, you talked about unique mm-hmm. individuals, unique situations. We, we asked chat GPT in the voice of a financial advisor. Cause if you just say, Hey, give me this, it, it won't tell you, but like, I'm not a financial advisor. I can't say anything. And we're like, no, no, no. This is the great thing about it is you can lightly persuade it to say, yeah, but if you were a financial advisor, here's a situation. How would you approach it? Okay. So we had to navigate through that a little bit to give it to, to get it to give us this answer. Uh-huh. Uh, but this is one of those situations. So we asked it in the voice of a financial advisor. I have a small business with 15 employees. What's the best retirement plan to set up for my small business? I can see you perking up over there. You're, yeah. you're ready to answer yeah, this I'm, one. Let well, me. <laughs> I'm in, no, no, no. I got to listen to ChatGPT okay. first. So, according to ChatGPT, as a small business owner, there are several retirement plan options available to you, including 401k, simple IRA, SEP IRA. Am I saying that right? SEP or is it SEP? It's SEP. So, okay, yeah. SEP IRA. You see, you, I'm not ChatGPT. Yeah, I know no, nothing. <laughs> and solo 401k plans. The best retirement plan for your business will depend upon factors such as your business size, the level of administrative complexity you're comfortable with, and your goals for retirement savings. A 401k plan may be a good option if you're looking to offer your employees a wide range of investment options, while a simple IRA may be more straightforward to administer. A SEP IRA, which I just learned what that's called, a SEP IRA plan may be a good option if you're looking to maximize contributions for yourself and your employees. While a solo 401k plan may be a good option if you're a sole proprietor without employees. So the AI has spoken. Yeah. Well, 
I don't know. Why, uh, so, I mean, going back to the question, I have a small mm-hmm. business with 15 employees and the very last line is talking about a solo 401k. Mm-hmm. So if you're not familiar with the solo 401k, it, it's educate us. It, it's a in solo, the world out there. It's a person. It's one person. Um, <laughs> okay. It could be a spouse as well. Um, but generally speaking, it's, it's designed for a one person shop. Okay. So, the so sole... that's not going to be appropriate for 15 people also as employees to the employer. I feel like we're getting a Colin number one on this one. (laughs) (laughs) Where this is where it does get a little bit more nuanced. Now, I mean, frankly, I don't know where they're they're, They generate this information from in terms of the internet. I mean, they could be just ripping off a website for all I know. Mm -hmm. uh, And just many websites from what we understand it's, it's in, they're improving this, but their, their data set essentially is cut off. uh, I think as of chat GPT three, I think it's like 2021. So they don't have like the latest and greatest of everything. Okay. And it does take all these different things. It compiles them and says, okay, think of it like if you took the first 10 pages on Google, mm-hmm. you said, okay, I like this sentence, this paragraph, this idea. Now it does understand the different meanings of words, you know, they claim. Uh, and then it can compile all that and say the best from these 20 paragraphs of these 10 websites is this two paragraphs. And that's according to ChatGPT is what I just read you. So, oh, okay. Well, now knowing that, and that what you just blew my mind about was that it's only pulling not most recent website information, but rather from maybe even 15 months ago. Yeah. Well, there, there's always a new version and now that they have, you know, some yeah. investment capital to work with, I'm sure it'll improve, Ramp but faster. yeah, it, it's, it's essentially because, you know, it has to take all that data, compile it all into one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it can't do that. And we've talked about this on our own videos it can't do that in real time. You know, that's one of the advantages of a search engine. It's like you can get, Hey, this just happened, right? If you know, New York times, Fox news, Washington Post, whoever you subscribe to has a thing 30 seconds ago, it'll be there versus Mm -hmm. chat GPT. It's like, Hey, what's going on with, you know, that election or that sports score. It's going to be like, I don't know. Right. Okay. So then that being said, um, yeah, the, the last sentence of that first, uh, paragraph from the answer. So best retirement plan for your business will depend on factors such as your business size, the level of admi- administrative complexity you're comfortable with, and your goals for retirement savings. So if you've got over 100 employees, simple IRA isn't going to be an option for you. So that's mm-hmm. not really addressed in here. Um, I do agree, you know, level of administrative complexity when you bring on like a 401k plan as opposed to a SEP IRA. SEP IRA is generally pretty easy to administrate. You work with your tax group or whoever's doing your accounting to determine what contributions can be. The structure is very simple in that regard. When you get into the 401k space, now we're dealing with audit costs. We're dealing with um, lots of reporting requirements, form 5,500 filings. There's more complexity there than I think just two paragraphs of chat GPT can get into here. Mm -hmm. So on its head, I mean, the information is accurate. What now that I know that it's only going back so far with its relative, um, inability to collect more recent data or more recent website data. Well, there was a secure act 2.0. Do you know anything about the secure Nothing. Act 2.0? Okay. <laughs> secure act 2.0 was passed. Um, and it was passed at the very end of last year in 2022. Okay. So that material wouldn't be in any of this. Of and course. how would that affect its answer if it was aware of that? So it might answer, you know, Hey, there are certain tax credits that might make creating a retirement plan and maintaining and administrating it more feasible for you. Hmm. So it might miss the fact that 
Um, you know, contribution rates have changed. And so that's something that's not addressed on here at all is that doesn't show any rates. Doesn't yeah. show any contribution. Now that you mentioned that I, I, I noticed it doesn't show anything on there. Interesting. Yeah. And, and so while it says, you know, there, there are, you know, goals for retirement savings. So goals for retirement savings, probably the best predictor of being able to retire is putting the money aside. We can mm -hmm. try to pick winners from an investment perspective as, as often as we can, but without actually putting money into it, we're not going to have the success that you want. Uh, we were talking before this call about a, a special retirement plan called a cash balance plan. That's not mm -hmm. even mentioned here. Cash balance plans are very specific plans. Not everybody's a good fit for them. It's very, very small percentage that would actually be interested in um, even pursuing it. But if you're looking to dump a whole lot of money aside, I mean, you're, you're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars potentially that you could be putting into something like that. Now, of course, which I, is more likely if you're a larger size business that you have yeah. that cash flow available. Or you could be a very small business, but just be in a situation where you're the proprietor and you hire a bunch of 20 year olds to do your administrative work and you're in your 50s or 60s and you can just dump a whole bunch of money into a defined benefit plan. Hmm. So there. So, again, wasn't in this conversation, but sure. this is the layer of information that you really need to answer this particular question, because you can have a small business with 15 people, but depending on what those goals actually are, what the, what the next question is. I don't know. Does, does chat GPT take this answer? Oh yeah. Could yeah, you yeah. ask it a follow-up? You can question? ask it a follow-up question. 100%. Okay, so that would be yeah. my follow-up there. But again, it's, do you know what the next question is? No. What well, would the, so based upon, you know, what's the best retirement plan to set up for my small business? Mm -hmm. What, and you know, the answer now, what would your follow-up question to chat GPT be? Yeah, it, it could be, be just as simple as how's your cash flow. If you're funding a business where you're constantly firing those 15 and going down to 10 and then back up to 15, and maybe you're at 20 at some mm -hmm. points, and then you drop back, or you've got seasonal employees, or these full-time employees, or these part-time employees, all that comes into play. That that's where my mind goes to then determine, okay, this plan is out, this plan is out, this mm -hmm. looks like a fit. Then it's what are your personal goals? You know, you're the business owner, you're going to be sponsoring this plan. Mm -hmm. So it needs to benefit you and the employees. Right. So what works out best for you? Uh, it, it's almost like the analogy of if you go on a, a flight and they tell you, you know, put your mask on first before you put one on your kids. It's the same <laughs> yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah. Like you you want to protect yourself first before you, you look out for everybody else. Mm -hmm. Same kind of concept. And that might be a little capitalist to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just, it's interesting that when you say that too, because you know, you, I, I feel like it gives you high level overviews, but now that you're getting to the weeds on this more into mm -hmm. the specifics, you start seeing the weakness of the answer. So I'm going to jump ahead here and I'm just going to say, I think this is a, a Colin one, <laughs> yeah. you know, versus this one. It, it doesn't really give, you know, even though we've asked it specifically, you know, in the voice of a financial advisor, I, I hearing your response to that, mm -hmm. I think goes well above and beyond, you know, the, the very generic response that it was able to give. Mm -hmm. So here's another one I think is going to be, one where it's a bit more situational because we're asking it for specifics. And when you ask for specifics, it can be where chat GPT nails it or where it fails it. And we asked it again in the voice of a financial advisor, what are effective strategies for diversifying a portfolio? So I think you'll like this one. Yeah. <laughs> this is right up your alley. Yeah. So it says the effective strategies for diversifying a portfolio are asset allocation, Geographic diversification, sector diversification, time diversification, and alternative investments. So what are your thoughts on that? It's good. Okay. It covers 
the vast majority of you know what we talk about with folks in regards to where we want to position funds. Um, when I say funds, what I mean are, is your money. Um, now there are different kinds of investments that aren't mentioned in here, which would be, you know, more specific, you know, what am I actually holding in my portfolio? Mm-hmm. Stocks, individual bonds, are they mutual funds? Are they ETFs? Are they limited partnerships, REITs, um, all these different kinds of strategies. Mm-hmm. Am I just literally holding on to gold and burying it in my backyard? Uh, is that a diversification <laughs> strategy, I guess? Would um, that be considered a diversification strategy? No, it's strategy? not. No? <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think this, uh, you know, the word diversification especially in a year like we just had in the stock market where most people were down unless you you buried a bunch of gold in your backyard. And even then, I don't even know if you were successful. Right. Um, it's one of those things where more it's more and more common to, un, to not understand where you were because the past decade plus, you know, really since the Great Recession, it's been pretty easy to make money. It's mm-hmm. not consistent every year, but for most folks, you're- and You're talking about money. the 2008 one yeah. specifically? Yeah. Yeah. So if we go through that, you know, well, you know, back then, if you had everything undiversified, let's say in the S&P 500 index, so tracking 500 biggest publicly traded companies in the United States, um, you know, it took you a couple of years maybe to remake everything that you lost in the Great Recession. So maybe what's well, called 2011, um, you're, you're back in black, so to speak, like you are today. I try. <laughs> but, you know, from that standpoint, you know, was that a healthy diversification? You know, going through that experience, most people thought, oh, shoot, maybe this isn't the level of risk I should be at, maybe I should diversify. So mm-hmm. having something like ChatGPT put out here is helpful because it at least gives you some guidelines to consider. I think, again, in the nuances where you're going to find greater success in terms of the kinds of things that you want to hold. Mm-hmm. Because um, you know, one thing that I noticed it didn't mention immediately was t- uh, tax diversification. So going back to like what we talked about before about taxes, it is a very essential part of your plan to have certain kinds of investments represented across your portfolio. So, you know, do you want to hold on to a mutual fund, which is going to spit out capital gains, which if you're not familiar, all you need to know is that you're going to get a tax form and they're going to distribute any kind of gain. So if you have a banner year in your mutual fund, Mm -hmm. uh, you're going to pay the taxes on that growth for probably all of the growth in that year. Now, is that the appropriate thing to have in that kind of portfolio? Or should we be holding on to our individual stocks there? You know, if I'm thinking about, um, if I'm a young investor, and I'm trying to get off the ground, and I'm maybe focused on Roth investments, but I've got this pre-tax account from my employer, and that's where their match is going. I want to be aggressive in my Roth rather than my pre-tax account. Do you know why, Dave? No, tell me. Because in the Roth account, I'm, I'm fascinated with this. We are incentivized. <laughs> we are incentivized to be mm-hmm. aggressive in our accounts where we have tax-free income in the future. Well, if you again, if you're not following along, if you have a Roth option in your 401k or you've got a Roth IRA, in that account. We have the ability to invest. Why do we have it for five years? We're 59 and a half years old or older. When we get it, we don't pay any taxes on the earnings. So if we're going to be aggressive someplace, let's be aggressive in the account where we potentially don't owe any taxes on it. Well, it's interesting too, because out of the five that it mentioned, like you said, that's not one of the things. It talked about assets, geographic, sector, time, and alternative, mm-hmm. but it didn't really mention anything in terms of you know, the uh, delaying, so to speak, of the, the tax payments, which is what you're talking yeah, about. Right, yeah. And, so and it's like if we earn X amount on this thing, there's ways to, you know, to where you don't have to pay all of those capital gains right away. Mm, yeah, and, and like in the alternate investment space, which really, and I'm kind of surprised because you just told me that this might be 2021 data mm-hmm. um, that they're grabbing from, 2022 is a year where alternatives 
saw a greater influx of, or I should say inflows of money to those kinds of investments. And is that because you saw such a disruption in the S&P 500? It, that it, more people wanted to look at alternative sources just versus the top 500? Yeah, so, in a, so 2022, if you had stocks and bonds, let's say mutual funds in your portfolio, mm-hmm. both of them fell last year. It's a rarity that both stocks and bonds fall at the same time. Normally they are they're negatively correlated. So before we get too far ahead and people's eyes start glazing over because you're using a lot of big terms, explain what negative correlation is. Yeah. So negative correlation is basically when one thing goes up, the other one goes down. Mm. Okay. Positive means they both react the same way. Uh, No correlation means anything could happen. So alternative investments. So the reason I was talking about this is because alternative investments don't normally for most, for most purposes, um, have a correlation to stocks or bonds. Mm. And so in a year like 2022, where we saw stocks and bonds are down, trying to find something else that might be entertaining. Um, that could be a real estate uh, investment trust, otherwise known as a REIT. It could be a limited partnership, which is which could be defined as pretty much any kind of business opportunity that you can invest in. Gotcha. So there's lots of things that people were looking for. And again, that that's a part of this so again, kudos to ChatGPT for even mentioning it as an option, because mm-hmm. it's not generally something that uh, I think an advisor is going to lean on as something that we should be considering. Well, thankfully, we have, um, in, in our office at least. But well, it, it might have been one of the reasons why it listed it last. <laughs> you well, know, number that, five that out of true. the other four. That could be true. And do you, do you feel like in terms of the order that it listed them, that it's accurate in terms of like what you know your office or another financial advisor would focus on, meaning... Assets probably first, geographic mm-hmm. second, a sector, then time, then alternative? I, I think so, because asset allocation being number one is the tried and true method of how most advisors are going to describe diversification in the first mm-hmm. place, which is they're, they're defining it as diversify your portfolio by investing in a mix of different asset classes, such as stocks, bonds, and real estate. So if you look at your 401k plan, that's the kind of stuff that's already in there. So that, for some people, accomplishes the, the diversification they're, they're looking at. Um, and where I guess number two through five geographic sector time and alternative, that's more so if you've got number one, pretty much locked down, you know what you're getting from that. It's like, okay, now I want to make lots more money or like you had said, diversify into a bunch of different areas. I, I, I'd probably put it that we might say within the large cap space. So large U.S. companies, when I say large cap, it might mean, okay, within large cap, that could be any big company mm-hmm. that exists. Uh, so would Target, this be it like could be Google? It could be that's anybody. what I was going to say. It's so like now we're getting into tech, sectors. Like, okay, yeah. So that's where sectors come into play. So it's, it's so it's uh, subclassifications within the asset allocation. So give me an example. If if a primary target would be like Google, what would be like a sub to you? Yeah, a technology. Just would, technology in general. Technology communication. Okay, that kind of right. I mean, what doesn't Google touch at this point? <laughs> they couldn't be considered everything uh, in every sector. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. So, well, so. This is a bit of a lead-in, so we did this as an order for a reason. Uh, uh, diversification. So we asked ChatGPT, "Is cryptocurrency a good investment?" Mm, okay. So, as a financial advisor, I'm sure you have some pretty strong opinions on this. Yeah. So, according to ChatGPT, uh, in the voice of a financial advisor, cryptocurrency can be a volatile and risky investment, and its value can fluctuate greatly over short periods of time. While it has the potential for high returns, it's important to remember that it's a speculative investment and should be approached with caution. Before investing in cryptocurrency, it's important to thoroughly research the market, understand the risks involved, and only invest what you can afford to lose. So. Good. Yeah? Yeah. Nailed it? 
Pretty, Nothing more needs to be good. said. Uh, I love the last line. You know, only invest what you can afford to lose. Mm-hmm. Um, is that really specific to crypto, though? Uh, no, no, okay. no, no. It, what I refer to that as um, being specific to are to individual holdings. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my definition of that um, would be, for example, like a stock. So back in 2020, back to the pandemic, no, nobody wants to revisit it, but we're going to revisit it for just one second. I think it's there forever in everybody's mind that went through that, yeah. We think about the kinds of investments that did really well during that time period because think about February, March-ish, um, stock market is collapsing. Those, 2020, when they when it first really started going out, yeah. Yeah, everything's starting to shut down. Companies are trying to figure out, you know, can we even keep the lights on at this point? Mm-hmm. We start to recover through the summer. Those companies that continue to grow through the summer at exponential rates were, you know, COVID darlings, let's call them. And that might be your Pelotons. That could be your, your tech companies. It could be Microsoft, mm-hmm. for example. You know, who knew that Zoom was going to be a huge part of our lives? Massive, yeah. So Zoom, Google Meet, all the different versions of it, yeah. Th- those types of companies, you know, did massive profits during that time period. They did exceedingly well. But the problem is, is that then you fast forward a couple of years and what has Peloton stock done? Mm-hmm. If you don't know, down significantly, like crazy amounts. And we still- We even like Facebook- you know, yeah. Facebook went down, then recovered. Even before the, then the meta down. push and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So so they're now in a situation where if you bought those stocks and enjoyed all that growth, but didn't know that the other shoe was going to drop eventually, mm-hmm. we see the layoffs at Google and Microsoft as good examples of that, unfortunate examples of that. We were in a situation where, you know, hey, you really should, if you're going to hold on to single positions like that, only invest what you're okay losing. Because mm-hmm. you know, eventually that other shoe is going to drop. And not all these individual holdings are going to do well. Cryptocurrency is a more dramatic and volatile example of that. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess from my perspective, you know, I do hold you know some Bitcoin, some Dogecoin, Ethereum, et cetera. Uh-huh. You know, and based upon your answer to that, if it's all volatile, is crypto going to be less or more volatile than those? Because you don't know. Uh, true. Historically speaking, which is all we can really operate on, sure. it, it is a more volatile instrument than some of the stocks that I just explained. And because you have your eyes on it so uh, intimately, you know, watching all these different markets at all times, what what how do you determine crypto to be more volatile than you know, say a traditional stock like Google or like Facebook, et cetera? Like, what are the main differences that would say, you know, I just don't know if crypto. And, and again, I think that the Chat GPT answers is kind of like what I would say. Like, look, everything regarding this is like. It's, it's depending upon who you talk to, of course. Mm-hmm. It's proven, it's unproven, it's a better system, it's a worse system. Um, it does swing wildly, though. Um, yeah. And that's what I've noticed. Um, you know, there's times where you'll make incredible gains. I mean, back when you remember, too, maybe not because you were advising people to invest, but just because you had to pay attention to it in general, you know, when Bitcoin is up to like $65,000, mm-hmm. right? Or like Doge was up to like, what was it? I think it's peaked like 74, 75. Now I think... Um, as of you know March 2023, mm-hmm. Bitcoin's like 22,000, right? So that's a significant drop. And Doge's, I think, is like I don't know, seven four cents or seven point four cents or whatever. So, what are your thoughts on what makes that more volatile, right? Because if you were yeah. talking like you know Google, Facebook, et cetera, at the same time, they went wildly swinging, mm-hmm. and crypto did the same thing. Would you say that one's more volatile than the other? I well, I I think we can say that. Crypto, most cryptocurrencies, and if we just want to maybe label it as Bitcoin just for anchoring this conversation, sure. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it's it's a great example of volatility. So there's a there's actually a slide that I show, and a 
lot of the presentations I give to our 401k plans, it talks about cryptocurrency and specifically Bitcoin. And I guess that would be considered like an alternative investment, correct? Or is that not falling into yeah. that category? Yeah, I, I would consider it one. If, if we take that chart and we look back at Bitcoin's price from like 2017, so I'm not even going back to- like, Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, when the first- uh, when, when it was a dollar. Was, yeah, when it was a dollar. <laughs> Which everybody would say was like- Everybody was excited. Yeah, we're going to 10,000. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so when, when that drops significantly and we see, you know, from 2017 all the way through what happened when 2020, when it really blew up in 2021, when it was still doing pretty well until about, I think it was like November of 2021, mm -hmm. when we really started to see a slide. Well, I noticed that when the interest rates started cranking up, that's when people were like, oh, this is like- like as you would define it, like a, a, a very far out alternative investment where it's like they took all that uh, spare money and started to kind of reel it in and say, wait, we need to be a little bit more safe. Uh, yeah, true. And so when we think about then, you know, that time period of growth, I mean, if you had Bitcoin from 2017 to even that moment in 2021 when it fell or even today, you're still significantly higher from where you were sure, previously. Yeah, yeah. So, but just knowing how much higher, I mean, we're, and we're not talking like, oh, you know, I, I grew 10% compounded over right. that six year period. Like, no, 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 we're talking like way, way more than that, you know, hundreds of percents. Or, yeah. Correct. And so that's what makes it more volatile. Because even if you think about holding, you know, Amazon from day one, I mean, that growth is over decades. I just. Decades, you know, then it split, then yeah, yeah. yeah and it split Multiple and it splits. grew. And yeah. so you're, you're talking about if you held on to that one security, what is it worth now? And yes, it's worth, you know, quite a few multiples of then. But when we think about cryptocurrencies and again, specifically Bitcoin for this conversation, you know, we can still say that in the time periods and historically speaking, it's a much more volatile instrument than just holding on to Amazon or Google from day one well, it, by leaps and bounds. And also with Bitcoin specifically, when you're looking at Facebook and let's just for the sake of example, I don't know what it's at right now. Let's call it sub $200, right? You're not going to see that go from 200 to 20,000. Whereas right. Bitcoin, or that, you, that you'll see 60,000, 20,000. It's like for a single, you know, I guess you'd call it a share, yeah. you know, uh, to, to keep it equivalent to what we're talking about. Uh, it's very different in terms of its its price points. Like right. it, it does tend, that's what I've noticed. It's, when it swings, it swings wildly versus like, yeah, you might lose, you know, 20, 30 bucks a share in Facebook, but you didn't lose 90%. Right. <laughs> you know, and, which and, is and what you'll see with some cryptos. I'll, I'll be clear because. Market volatility isn't a bad thing. Mm -hmm. So because the word volatile in the English language has a connotation for the negative side than the positive side, we tend to view volatility. And when we hear the word volatile, when we're watching our favorite news programs, um, you know, they're talking about the stock market and whatever. But there is the good side, which, you know, again, you're up significantly if you held on to that Bitcoin from day one. Oh, sure. <laughs> so, yeah, you went through some pretty tumultuous times, you know, between you know, then and now, um, but you're still up. Right. So would it have been safer or easier to grow it by just putting it into a diversified index portfolio? Maybe. Um, but you enjoyed some higher highs and maybe you got out. Maybe you sold a little bit at those times. I can't say. Well. It's plus and minus depends which, which one. <laughs> for sure. And what time period too. Yeah. Because what I've noticed in, in, in the crypto space is a little bit different where I would more equate that to you have your holders and then you have like your day traders, you know, so to speak. Right. It's like, okay, this went up or this went down. It, like, for example, I, the best example I, I can think of off the top of my head right now would probably be like one of the, the more meme coins or something that's cheaper to, for a lot of people to invest in mm -hmm. because you could spend $500,000 or $5,000 or whatever the case may be on Dogecoin. You have a lot of it. And if you're buying it at seven cents, knowing if it goes up to 10 cents, I mean, 
that's a pretty good return yeah. versus, you know, with, with some of the other companies. And again, I'm not trying to make this all about this. I mean, I think let's, let's just sum it up and say that would we agree that it gave a pretty good response to that just, Hey, be careful, be, don't invest more than you have to lose. Although my, I guess my, my argument would be, I think you can say that about anything, you know, stock market related. Do your research, be comfortable with what you're doing or be comfortable with the person that you're handing over your hard earned money to, to invest on your behalf. So whether that's going to be an exchange or a wallet or, you know, a stock portfolio, make sure that you. So we'll call that one a draw. That's fine. Okay. I'll, I'll concede. <laughs> <laughs> so I think overall it gave a pretty good answer in regards to that. However, I do have another bit of a lead in, uh, continuing on the cryptocurrency thing for just a moment. So we asked ChatGBT, is cryptocurrency appropriate for 401k accounts? And its answer was, as a financial advisor, because remember, we, we told it to speak in the voice of a financial advisor to get around. It's yeah. not being able to answer financial related questions because it's simply a language model, et cetera. It says, as a financial advisor, I would generally recommend against investing 401k funds in a cryptocurrency due to the high level of risk involved. 401k accounts are meant to be a reliable source of retirement income and cryptocurrencies volatility makes it an unsuitable investment for long-term financial planning. It's generally best to stick with more traditional investments such as stocks and bonds, which Colin has mentioned multiple times within a 401k account. So I'm guessing you're like in the cheering section on this one. Yay, chat GPT. They did. A good, they, they hit all the major points. Um, I am just very blown away by the fact that they say as a financial advisor. Yeah. Because uh, that's exactly how I would answer all, all my, <laughs> right. uh, my clients and, and prospect questions. It's AI. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's cool. It's, yeah, I mean, they, I think it's, I think they're approaching it the right way because there's only a handful of record keepers. So companies that will offer platforms for 401ks, Fidelity, Vanguard, mm -hmm. Principal, companies like that. Uh, there's only a very small handful, Fidelity being the largest player in the 401k space, but also probably the largest player for from a cryptocurrency and offering it as an investment option. Interesting. So when we had um, when we when we had a meal with our Fidelity reps to kind of talk through the cryptocurrency space and how they're pushing this out uh, to to their prospective you know, plans that might be interested in having it, we had a very frank conversation about you know, whether this was appropriate or not. And they assured us that they put enough safeguards in place to say, hey, you know, we understand your concerns. The reason that we're offering it is this. Um, you're only allowed to put a certain percentage of your assets mm. in their, their cryptocurrency sleeve, we'll call it. And I think it, I think it maxed out around 20%. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't in this, in this particular case that ChatGPT is probably assuming, which is, hey, throw it all into Bitcoin or Ethereum or something like that within your 401k. That wouldn't even be allowed on at least Fidelity's platform let alone anybody else's. So they did have some safeguards in place, but the reality is, is that when we make a suggestion to somebody as to how much they should hold in cryptocurrency, because we're not the ones as advisors trading in those securities, right? we're only suggesting a couple percentage points of your overall net worth. So considering most Americans with the, with the branding of 401k so strong to be, yeah, all my investments, you know, that where at least I'm going to get started is in a 401k, that's where majority of our, the majority of our retirement assets are going to be. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, should you even have money in a cryptocurrency then? Because this is very reliant, as chat GPT so astutely pointed out, uh, this is going to be the majority of your retirement wealth. So it does raise at least the questions as to whether or not it's appropriate. As long as there are safeguards in place, it could make it a little bit safer. But 
What this does not address at all is the fact that you as a sponsor of a retirement plan have a fiduciary duty to your clients, which in this case are going to be your employees, to mm-hmm. offer the right kinds of investment options. And this is where lawsuits will likely happen <laughs> by you. Hey, you allowed me to put 20% of my money in cryptocurrency uh, at the beginning of 2021 and things worked out really well in the short term, but I'm down significantly sure. and I'm retiring. Well, we week. had talked about the wild swings that it has and, and yeah. you know, that you don't normally see again with, with the more popular cryptos, let's like you had said, let, let's keep it to you know, Bitcoin, Ethereum, yeah. et cetera, because you know, you normally don't see like a single share of a stock go that high, right? Normally they'll split it. Whereas the cryptos don't, right? Now they can burn, you know, through supplies of it, which is a whole other technical video for another time for people that are familiar with crypto, they'll understand it, but you won't see a face, a single share of like Google go to $30,000, right? At that point, they're going to split it to where they can double down the amount that's out available in the market. Um, and it's interesting too, that while chat GPT had said, you know, it's generally best to stick with the more traditional investments, such as stocks and bonds within a 401k account, they don't mention, and this might be just limited to the data, you know, like the 2021, uh, cause things have changed since then a little bit, uh, a lot of it in some ways, uh, that it doesn't mention, it might be safe to put a percentage of that. Like you had said, um, and back to your point about, uh, who it was fidelity that you had said, mm-hmm. it's interesting to, I think they're going to have to start not to go on a tangent, but I think more people would demand it. So they're just reacting to the market. You know, there's, there's so yeah, much money that could potentially be made with it that I think it's wise for them not to ignore it completely, but also to play the safe route of, and like chat GPT and you also echoed their point. Um, be careful, right? Don't, don't say my whole 401k is all in Bitcoin because if you put, you know, $10 million in when it's 60 grand, like, Hey, this is going to go to a hundred and then it goes to 20. Now you're in trouble and yeah. you wouldn't have seen such a wild swing with a traditional stock because like we had said, the stock price wouldn't go that high for a single share. Uh, right. And it's, I mean, with the stock split, all you're really doing is just cutting it in half. And now you have Correct. two shares. It just makes it more marketable to the rest of the community. I mean, that's why a Berkshire Hathaway is so expensive because, well, they don't really, they don't need to advertise themselves um, and do stock splits like that. But a Google that might try to get more people involved, try to get some of that that good money coming in, which was so free and easy uh, you know, a couple of years ago, um, now is starting to evaporate. So starting to pursue those types of strategies are important. Um, but again, I think with the cryptocurrency for 401k accounts, it's really the plan sponsor, the person that's offering the plan to their employees that is going to be underneath the most scrutiny for offering it. Because even though their employees might be clamoring for, it, it could be cryptocurrency, it could mm-hmm. just be hey, I've got this one particular mutual fund that I really like that my advisor sold me years ago. I want that now in my 401k plan. Mm. Well, it's the plan sponsor's job to vet that fund and say yes or no, or to hire somebody to be the uh, fiduciary on the plan, speak in the best interests of the client, and then choose that investment or say no, and here are the reasons why. So it's the same concept here. It's just a cryptocurrency instead. So it's really these plan sponsors that need to make good educated decision listen to their employees, maybe not always follow all their directions. But if there is a reason to have this, you have tools available. Like I said, Fidelity, I I believe their cap is around 20%. You can push that lower. You could say you can only Mm -hmm. put 1% or 2%, I would imagine. If that's the case, then maybe that makes you comfortable offering something like that because your employee base maybe is skewing on the younger side and they're more interested in this kind of thing. And they've got long-term futures and they say, oh, well, cryptocurrencies are in four-year cycles or however we want to put it that Mm -hmm. justifies putting it in there. Well, You've got some ammunition to say, hey, we could play in that space, but I'm going to really restrict you on what you're doing. 
And again, that's for, well, really I think that comes security. to the individual client and their level of comfort with that level of risk. Yeah. Right. So you've mentioned multiple times the uncertainty. You talked about 2008, you talked about 2020, mm -hmm. uh, both significant factors in the financial market. Um, so we asked ChatGPT, not so much a question, but more just a statement to hear its response, mm -hmm. acting as if it was a financial advisor, investment opportunities during uncertain times. Uh, and you've also mentioned that phrase, uncertain times, a couple of uh, times in this interview. Mm -hmm. So it says... During uncertain times, it's important to have a focus on investments that have historically shown resilience in the face of market volatility. This can include diversifying your portfolio across a range of assets, such as stocks, bonds, and real estate. Additionally, investing in stable, dividend-paying stocks and funds can provide a reliable source of income during uncertain times. It's important to work with a financial advisor to develop a comprehensive investment strategy that aligns with your goals and risk tolerance. So I kind of feel like where you're gonna you're making a face though. Yeah. What are you What are your thoughts on that? Well, the, the the last two sentences there. It's important to work with your financial advisor to develop a comprehensive investment strategy. Yet in the sentence that precedes that, they're saying, "No, well, you can invest in stable dividend paying stocks." It's like, well, okay, you're making a recommendation there. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's intentional within ChatGPT, <laughs> but like, I think it's a gray area. If yeah, you've seen it, all the things uh, that that ChatGPT has said and. You know, there's been certain, I won't go into it in depth, but there's times where it's like threatening people <laughs> and all kinds <laughs> oh, yeah. of stuff. Yeah. So I've you probably saw that in the news. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and so that that's, that's the only thing that stays here. I think that they were leading into it very well. And then they're making some suggestions across some ideas of how to invest. Now, when it, when we think about uncertain times and we think about investing, what they're referring to, I believe when they say like stocks and bonds, now, mm -hmm. they are likely referring to individual holdings. I am buying the stock of X, XYZ company. Mm -hmm. I'm buying a bond in ABC company. Those are individual securities that are going to generally be more volatile than the general market. And so what is a preferred strategy during uncertain times is to spread out your eggs into thousands of baskets. So for majority of clients, especially with a retirement focus, we're going to work with the kinds of securities and instruments that make sense, which is for most going to be mutual funds and exchange traded funds, otherwise mm -hmm. known as ETFs. They both operate similarly. And the way that they work is that they have an objective. So they might say, I want to focus on emerging international markets. So think like second world countries. Mm -hmm. um, you know, very so such as like a new company that's formed that's showing a lot of revenue generation in another yeah, country, perhaps. Exactly. And, and they're going to be from maybe less, uh, I was going to say brand name countries. Uh, mm -hmm. the, the, if you're going to invest in Germany, that, that's not an emerging market. Uh, we're gotcha. thinking more of second world. You, you might consider China in there. You might consider um, you know, India would be a good example. Lots of Latin American countries, Africa, um, depending on where you are in Europe, maybe more on the east side or the south side. So there, there's, there's different areas where you can diversify. And so if that's the objective of, let's say, a mutual fund, well, it's got the whole world available to it, literally. Uh, mm -hmm. that is within that particular objective or scope. And so they can invest a little bit in Latin America, a little bit in China, a little bit in India, a little bit in uh, Vietnam, what, whatever they feel is important to them. And so they can diversify and spread out that risk even farther than saying, I'm going to diversify in the tech space and I'm going to have Facebook and Google in my portfolio. So that's where I think ChatGPT could use a little bit of coaching mm -hmm. <laughs> is that they're providing some individual recommendations in there that could be appropriate for some. But if you're trying to be as general, generic as possible to communicate just 
basic facts on educated uh, financial planning topics, it might be don't make specific recommendations. Maybe just leave it at the first sentence even or the second sentence and just call it a day. Meaning where it says, you know, focus on investments that have historically shown resilience in the face of market volatility. And then diversifying stocks, bonds, real estate. Yeah, it, it, they could probably end it there. And I, I may even say, well, don't even go to such as because mm-hmm. you just probably leave it there and just leave it up to the Because now you've devices. identified yeah. particular ones. Yeah, and, and, that's where, and that's where people get in trouble is because if you're going to promote some kind of product or some kind of solution that is you know proprietary, so say I am a, a, a captive agent and so I can only sell one company's solutions mm. like life insurance or something like that. Well, like if you were like a state farm agent or something like that. Uh, could be yes. That, that's okay. actually probably a very good example. And this isn't to disparage State Farm. Sure. It's just their captive agent. They don't have the ability to be a broker of multiple products. So and they're not going to sell Progressive if you have State correct. Farm on their yeah, front exactly. of the building. Yeah, yeah. And State Farm's products are good, but that's the ecosystem in which you're going to reside if you're going to be a client of theirs. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're, and so here they're basically saying something kind of similar, maybe adjacent to it that. We're going to focus on these particular kinds of investments when in actuality, let's broaden that horizon a little bit more. So I, we haven't been giving grades. We've <laughs> got a couple, from, yeah. Uh, but, you know, if, if I was to, I don't, what were we doing? Numbers, letters? Yeah, what would you say on this one? Do you think that this is a, this is a Colin wins or a chat GPT wins? Um, I, I think there's more nuance required. So I'm going to say I win. Which, <laughs> I mean, I, of course, chat you can GPT say you win here to defend one itself, point but, to Colin on this one. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> All right. So being the 401k professional here, you've mentioned 401ks. We've talked about them a whole heck of a lot. So we asked ChatGPT, how should I approach my 401k rollover? And the answer that it supplied was approaching a 401k rollover can be a complex process and it's important to carefully consider all of your options. First, you need to choose between rollover your funds into an IRA or into your new employer's 401k plan. Consider factors such as Investment options, fees, and contribution limits when making this decision. Next, you'll need to select the specific investments within your new account. It's generally a good idea to work with a financial advisor, such as Colin, to ensure that your rollover aligns with your long-term financial goals, that you're maximizing the benefits of your retirement savings plan. So, what would your grade on that one be? Uh, At first blush, I again, we've been using numbers or letters. I'll give it an eight. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I do like the fact that it's it it provides some considerations. So mm-hmm. it, it's the same things that we talk about. Investment options, fees um, are very important. What I don't like, and where we're, we're incorrect, unfortunately, chat, uh, why you get a deduction of at least two points, maybe I'll, I'll curve you down even lower if I have to, contribution limits. So mm-hmm. contribution limits are the same for 401k. The only reason you have a different dollar amount for contributions would be your, um, your age. And so there could be a factor where you're not able to contribute too much to a plan because of testing rules. That is way outside of the conversation we're going to have here, but you would never know that mm-hmm. uh, unless you weirdly knew and asked your employer about it. So I think from the, from the side that it does talk about like investment options. So for example, if I've got an investment that I really like in my old 401k plan, and I look at my new 401k plan and they don't offer that, well, maybe that's a reason that I want to keep my money at my old job. It might not make sense. Um, and of course, vice versa, it might entice you to move away. Fees. So, you know, to pull back the, uh, the curtain on the Wizard of Oz for a second, when we think about fees and retirement plans, you know, your employer's 
fees for their retirement plans are mostly passed on to you all as individuals. It's rare that an employer will pay for all the fees. Uh, and if you do find one of those, you know, hug them tightly and never let them go. But when it comes to the fee conversation, if you're moving from, let's say, a really big organization, say you work for like a Fortune 500 company, and now you're going to go work for a much smaller unit, maybe where you've only got like five or six employees, but you still have a 401k, well, that smaller plan is going to be more expensive because it's less bodies to spread that cost around. Right. So you achieve economies of scale in your old plan, and now you're going to increase your fees by rolling it over. So you could be helping out an employer by adding your dollars to the plan, which increases the value of the plan, which could reduce the fees, but there's no guarantees in that. And so you, you shouldn't make your decision based on that. But I think the, the investment option part and the, and the fees are completely spot on as things you must approach when you're making this decision. And that, would you add anything else to it? Uh, I mean, besides eliminating the part where it's talking about the contribution limits, um, you know, the other thing to remember, there, there's more nuanced rules in regards to should I keep my money in the 401k ecosystem? So mm -hmm. for example, uh, you are a highly comped employee. So um, if I was going to put a number to it, let's say you make over like, I don't know, like $200,000 consistently every single year. Well, there are strategies that exist in IRAs, individual retirement accounts, which are different from 401ks. 401ks, you can contribute to those accounts regardless of how much money you make. But in the IRA ecosystem, you may not be able to contribute to like a Roth IRA if you make too much money. They basically don't want you to get too much tax breaks in the future. Mm -hmm. So if you move your money from a 401k to a traditional IRA, not to another 401k, but to a traditional IRA, you might actually mess up an opportunity called a backdoor Roth conversion. Again, outside of the scope of, I think, what ChatGPT needs to talk about <laughs> right Right, because we didn't ask it but, that. Yeah. But this is the thing where if you're a high wage earner, you might be really messing something up by moving your money from a 401k into something else that ChatGPT might be aware of, but you didn't ask that question here. Right. That's Whereas a financial advisor would say, in. hey, here's an additional option. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, it hurts us as the advisor because, well, you know, we get compensated a lot on the assets that we maintain for you, which means we probably need to have them in an IRA. But if you're working with a fiduciary advisor who knows their stuff, they're going to say, let's at least have this conversation because we might be jeopardizing something that could be a pretty unique opportunity for you for the sake of me gaining your money and you paying me a fee because I maintain it. So based on your response, you would not trust ChatGPT to approach your 401k rollover because no. it's not giving you enough options. So yeah, we're going to so call that what? I'll, I'll call it B minus? Uh, yeah, I'm going to go way further. I'm going to go all the way down to like a five in this case. Okay, so we're saying like... Yeah, it, it, C minus D. Yeah, I mean, you you may you're a C average here because you provide some of the information. There's some parts that are wrong. There's way more explanation that's needed here besides this this first paragraph. Okay, so on the subject of you know retirement, the next question that we asked ChatGPT is, I want to retire in ten years. How do I know if I have enough money? Which might be something that you know when people are coming to you, they're saying, Hey, this is when I want to retire. This is what I've got. Mm -hmm am I in a good spot for this or not? I think that, you know, based upon my limited experience with financial advisors, most people think they don't oh, have do you need one, by the way. I mean, we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that people watching this might need one based upon uh, how inaccurate some of these things have been uh, based upon its responses. But I think that one of the things that intimidates people working with a financial advisor is they're not sure if they have enough money. So that I think this was a relevant, and the reason yeah. that we asked this yeah, is yeah. because we, we can see from a layman's terms, they're not sure if they have enough to work with somebody. Whereas, I guess the general consensus would be, oh, I need at least, you know, insert amount here before I talk to a financial advisor. Mm. So getting back on topic, uh, we asked it, basically, I want to retire in 10 years. How do I know if I have enough money? Chat GPT re 
responded with, to determine whether you have enough money to retire in 10 years, you'll need to perform a retirement income analysis. This involves assessing your projected retirement expenses and comparing them to your expected sources of retirement income, such as Social Security, pensions, and retirement savings. You'll need to take into account factors such as inflation, taxes, and potential investment returns. A financial advisor can help you perform this analysis and develop a comprehensive retirement plan that aligns with your goals and risk tolerance. So your thoughts. Yeah. I mean, this could have been stolen from any financial advisor's website. And you know. is this like black and white cut and paste? Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, a retirement income analysis is a, you know, a very specific term that unless you are in this financial advising space, it might not be words uttered by anybody else. Mm -hmm. So for ChatGPT to know that that's the lingo that we might use, um, very impressive. Knowing that there's different kinds of resources and more specifically, and I don't know if this is a chat GPT function, that these are kind of US specific. Mm. Is it saying social Interesting security? Point. Yeah. Social security, um, I mean, there might be that term or the equivalent like in like in Canada, for example, or in the UK, there might be an equivalent program, but it's not called specifically social security. Mm. So it's making a pretty nuanced decision to say, hey, we're going to talk about the United States here. Well, and that goes back to what you were talking about before when you were talking like emerging markets. Uh, that are international. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's not, it doesn't seem like based upon this, it's taking those into account in terms of like investment strategies. Correct. Yeah. And um, to the comments that you're making, like talking about, you know, how do I know if I have enough money? Um, you know, one of the things that we need to do better as a profession for financial advisors is working with the folks that need the most help. Mm -hmm. And it's not always uh, to paint with a, a very wide brush, uh, those that are, are graying, so to speak, that have the dollars that can then facilitate the payments mm -hmm. that make a relationship work uh, between a financial advisor can then provide you with advice. I mean, there's whole swaths of people that don't fit that demographic that mm -hmm. really need help. You know, most of my friends are of childbearing age, paying off student debt, dealing with daycare expenses, trying to grow their, their income and their careers, maybe growing their businesses. That's the support that these individuals need. And so thinking about, you know, this particular group about, you know, setting themselves up for retirement, you might be talking to somebody who's in their 50s, maybe they raised their kids, paid off their debts, and now they're finally able to save for retirement. Mm -hmm. They finally feel empowered to do so. And based upon that too, do you feel like that's, uh, within your profession, do you see a yeah. lot more people that are working with older people? Or would your advice be to, you know, hey, you need to start doing this at like 30? <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and again, this is a problem with the profession is that, you know, the way that most financial advisors, and, and again, we're, we're pulling the curtain back a little bit. Um, you know, most advisors get paid on what's known as assets under management or AUM. And AUM is just referring to how much money do you have with me that pays me some kind of ongoing fee, uh, whether it's a commission, whether it's an advisory fee, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, the challenge is, is that people that are in their 30s, generally, unless they have you know, built some kind of crazy business. They have where, less income. Yeah, yeah they, they have less income. They don't have the assets. And so mm -hmm. they are going to be hindered by the fact that they don't have money. And many financial advisors will say, you don't reach my minimum. I'm so sorry. Which we've seen on other else. sites where we look at, they always have, you know, hey, you have to have at least a you know, million dollars yeah. in this, a bunch of real estate, et cetera, before they'll even touch it. Right. And so a better way to think about working with an advisor is whether or not you have the complexity in your situation that you think might require professional help. And so this, that's going to be very amorphous and very subjective to the individual as to whether or not it's appropriate, but. Which is way beyond chat GPT's yeah, oh, level yeah. of expertise. No, yeah, don't rely on chat to tell you that. But, hey, I'm 30, write my retirement plan. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if you're, if you're a single guy, you know, living in your parents' basement, you make a hundred thousand dollars a year, you're spending, you know, 10 K a year and it's mostly on 
Cheetos or something like that, then cool. Like you don't have the complexity probably that a financial advisor eliminate Cheetos and you'll save money. Yeah, right. Got it. That, that's all I can do. <laughs> yeah. I'll see you next year. Yeah. Um, but but if you're you know in your 30s or 40s, you've got kids. Maybe they're you know in the house. Maybe they're slowly exiting the house. Maybe you are trying to build up your wealth in different ways. Maybe you've got your 401k going and running smoothly, but maybe you're trying to find is is there a better optimized manner? You know, whether it's from uh, tax diversification, investment diversification, whatever you might be interested in. Mm-hmm. Are, what are some of the things that I should be doing outside of investing? Like, should I pay off my student loans first? Uh, you know, hope that <laughs> they get forgiven. Yeah. Uh, wh- what do I go towards? And so that kind of complexity is actually where financial advisors provide the most value. And there's different ways of, you know, there's different models of compensation where you can work with a financial advisor that doesn't require you to have a whole bunch of money. Because mm-hmm. a question like this that ChatGPT is attempting to answer um, they're, they're not even approaching this part, but we as advisors are trying to figure out, okay, is there a reason that I should work with you without you paying so much money that it, I'm not going to be able to provide as much value? Well, I have a question. Or you're just going to be a, a gray-haired individual that is approaching retirement and you've got the money that I can be compensated. Well, I have a question too. Is there is there a set fee? So for example, if someone says, I've only got you know 50K or 100K to invest, is mm-hmm. that even worthwhile approaching due to like, the fee structure is, is, does the fee structure, I guess what my question is, does the fee structure change? Whereas like, if you have a million dollars in mm-hmm. assets, let's call it to keep the conversation simple mm-hmm. versus if you have a hundred thousand, you know, is it okay? I'm going to charge this person more. So they're less inclined or incentivized to use a financial advisor versus a million. It's like, well, my fee structure is lower because there's more uh, invested, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, and that's where, you know, robo advisors, you know, considering we're talking about AI here right. you know, come into play because mm-hmm. they can offer those kinds of services for those that might be building up their wealth as opposed that are maybe more prepared to work with a, a, a physical human advisor mm-hmm. at that point. So, but because you're right, you know, some have a sliding scale to say, Hey, if you are an individual that don't meet this particular minimum, we'll have breakpoints. Or maybe if you have a little bit more money with us, we'll lower your fee. But to get started with us, you're going to have a much larger cost. And some advisors- Because there's more effort involved in managing that many assets. Well, right. And and you're you're still, from a technology perspective, like what we use in our office, you know, the cost is spread out amongst everybody. Mm -hmm. But you're only paying me a little bit because you only have a little bit of money in me. But, you know, John over here has tons of money with me. And so he's actually footing, you know, maybe a slightly larger portion of that So it's like tax system- yeah, so <laughs> I'm sure you can relate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so that's the challenge there. And and I know we're a little bit off topic from what this sure. is talking about, but this is digging more into, you know, we, we don't want people to wait for 10, you know, being 10 years out. We want people to better prepare themselves. And these kinds of things that they're talking about in here are all important, but we should be doing this work way earlier than, than 10 years out. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, that's where most of the people are searching for retirement, financial planning is when they are much closer to retirement than probably when they could have done some earlier work and really set themselves up for success. So we've talked quite a bit about stocks. We talked quite a bit about cryptocurrency. So let's go specific because the big cryptocurrency is always on people's minds when it comes to Alternate investments, let's call it. Mm-hmm. So we asked ChatGPT, should I invest in Bitcoin or traditional stocks? And its response was, as a financial advisor, because remember we said it to speak in that voice. Okay. As a financial advisor, I would recommend that you consider both Bitcoin and traditional stocks as part of a well-diversified investment portfolio. While Bitcoin has the potential for high returns, it is also a highly volatile and speculative investment that should be approached with caution. Traditional stocks, on the other hand, have a proven track record of long-term growth and stability. Ultimately, the right investment strategy will depend upon your individual financial goals, risk tolerance, and time horizon. 
A financial advisor can help you develop a comprehensive investment plan that takes these factors into account. So uh, I, I see it kind of steaming <laughs> over there. <laughs> I feel like you've got some comments on this. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the last couple lines talking about, hey, you know, what are your financial goals? Talk to an mm-hmm. advisor. Like, that, that's fine. Um, I don't how bad there's it's hard to find anything that I agree with. I would recommend that you consider both Bitcoin and traditional stuff. Yeah. Which I mean, kind of goes against what it said earlier, like, hey, caution, caution. Yeah, right. Don't um, invest more than you can lose. Where's that sentence here? Well, and, and I don't know what, the, maybe they're just throwing out the, the word traditional in traditional stocks. It's just some garbage filler, filler word because that's mm-hmm. kind of what I think it is because there really is no traditional stock. I, mm-hmm. I think maybe what they're referring to is maybe like blue chip. Style. Right, 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 right. Stalwart companies been around forever, like P&G comes to mind or Johnson mm-hmm. Johnson, something like that. Um, maybe Maybe that's what they're referring to there. But I don't think Bitcoin is going to be appropriate for everybody. I mean, I talked to my parents who are in their 70s, and they're not interested in Bitcoin, nor mm-hmm. should they be, I think, at that age. Now, and I will talk to people in their 30s who have seen what happened to Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies recently and be completely against it as well. Well, I think there's a lot of, you know, 30 and below as well that don't even still know what it is. Right. They just heard the word and it's like, oh, yeah, it's crypto. Yeah. And, and, and again, when it says traditional stocks, it, it's probably alluding the fact that there's many other instruments that allow you to invest in stocks like mutual funds, ETFs. Mm-hmm. Um, other diversified instruments. So if it's really referring to, if ChatGPT is really trying to, to slim down what it's, re- um, what it's really referring to, to individual holdings, individual securities, then yeah, I, don't, I, I just can't agree with that because that's, I mean, now, now ChatGPT is making me <laughs> mad because it's providing some kind of level of advice. Yeah. But then also with the caveat that, well, you know, you should talk to an advisor first too. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, you, know, you, can't, you can't have your cake and eat it. So do we have like our fir- first full on F here? Yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah, I mean, I, I would have to because sure, it, I do agree that it says that it has potential, but it's also highly volatile. Traditional stocks, on the other hand, have a proven track record. You can't say that. Like, <laughs> I, I, I understand what they're getting at when they think about maybe the broad stock market, but you can't refer to individual holdings in that way. You can't refer to particular companies that are always going to be around. You know, you think about like a, a group like Bear Stearns. It's like, well, that's not tried and true. That's not traditional. They mm-hmm. fail. Like. If, the, if you had, um, I don't even know if it was publicly traded at the time. If, if it was, I mean, you, you lost all your money in that. And if that's the case, then was that really, you know, your advice that you got from a computer AI program? Mm. And who are you going to blame here? Who are you going to sue? Right. Uh. <laughs> I feel like I want to ask you, like, so what about FTX here? But that'll be another question. Yeah, well, thankfully. <laughs> we'll save that for another Mercifully, one. Mercifully, <laughs> let's, let's continue on. Yeah. Sure. So. One more thing on the on the cryptocurrency. You're killing me with these. I know. Okay. I know you love them. That's <laughs> that's why we got so many in here. Uh, so we asked ChatGPT, acting as if it was a financial advisor, cryptocurrency, is it a fad or the future? And its response was, the future of cryptocurrency is still uncertain. It's difficult to predict whether it will become a mainstream financial asset or remain a niche investment. While some experts believe that cryptocurrency has the potential to disrupt traditional financial systems, others remain skeptical of its long-term viability. As with any investment, it's important to thoroughly research the market and associate risk before investing. It's also important to work with a financial advisor, there's that again, mm-hmm. to develop a comprehensive investment strategy that aligns with your goals and risk tolerance. So I'm, a, I'm really interested to hear your take on this one because you've worked with, I don't even want to say it this way, traditional <laughs> stocks. Uh, and this is not even considered close to that, right? When we're talking about like the blue chips or the more established brand names, so to mm-hmm. speak, you know, crypto is like, way out of left field. Correct. 
and, and honestly, I think this is kind of a cop out by chat GPT to basically give a non-answer to this question. Mm. Um, and it's okay because I don't think it should have a direct answer. <laughs> yeah. like, no, no, it absolutely should be. Or, or no, it is the future. Like, Dump all your money into it. Yeah. Uh, right. Exactly. That would make me very concerned as opposed to the opposite, which is avoid it like the plague, which right. I think that's where majority of investors are, are leaning, at least at this point. Mm. Now, again, not to make any you know crypto heads upset or anything, I deal mostly in the retirement space, mm-hmm. you know, and for those that are preparing for retirement, cryptocurrency is not that generation's approach to investing. So, you know, to consider it a fad or the future for younger generations, then, you know, it could be something that's very interesting. Um, I, I have a friend who has an NFT and he's told me about it. I don't get it. Um <laughs> It's a horse, I think, or something. Yeah. I don't know. So th- there's all these different things. <laughs> Non-fungible token. Yeah. yeah. And, and and yeah. thank you for explaining mm-hmm. it to the group. So you know, well, that's that, not an explanation because they probably still don't know well, what I'm talking it, about. But yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's about the blockchain, which yeah. is what cryptocurrency operates on. We'll, we'll leave it at that. But but that kind of thing, I mean, there's, there's interesting qualities in all these different things. And I think of the different uses, um, is cryptocurrency going to be the thing that blockchain really like knocks out of the park? You know, personally speaking, and this is just me and my views, I, I don't think so. But mm. I don't think blockchain is something that we just evaporate from. Cryptocurrency will be around. I think it's probably more likely that some of these meme coins, some of these coins that come and go by your influencers, you know, are there for a day. Like uh, if anybody's an Office fan, if you were an investor in the Stanley Nickel, mm. I don't know if you've watched The Office, but um, unfortunately, I, not. A lot of people talk about it. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the Stanley Nickel was a, a meme coin that came out and. I don't know what it it's doing, but because I haven't heard of anything uh, since its launch, I'm it's probably it's decimals like, of a penny, but I, I don't want to say that for sure. Yeah, so <laughs> so there there are certain things that are out there where I think there could be some cryptocurrencies that hold on for for longer or for the long run, and I think those are the bigger names that you've probably already associated and we've talked about in this um, in these interviews. But thinking about it as a fad or the future, I, I'm not so much concerned about that as again the type of approach that most Americans say that. I'll caveat that with most Americans saving for retirement, preparing for the future. Cryptocurrency can be a part of it, again, in those small percentages as part of the portfolio so that, hey, if if you're right and it is a winner for the future, cool. You you had a piece of that pie. Mm-hmm. If it completely collapsed, it didn't jeopardize things. And, well, and you it, also talk about limiting the percentage that you're going to... Yeah. And I don't, I don't really think that that, that should be you know, what you would call like the graying generation or even the younger ones. I... I Again, we didn't ask ChatGPT this, but you know, how much should you invest as a percentage of your whole yeah. you know, investment mm-hmm. strategy, which would be an interesting that would response. Be, yeah, that would be interesting. We'll get that one to you next. Yeah, okay. right. <laughs> That'll be the next one. Okay, gotcha. uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's let you break upon and feast on that one for a while. Yeah. Um, but I think with, with anybody, you know, if you're going to consider that as an investment, look at it for, from a percentage standpoint, right? So 5%, 10%, and see what happens with that, right? And then, okay... I made a little bit or I lost a bit. Am I willing to, you know, risk more to do that? Yeah. I, I, I think the, you know, the talking heads that like we as advisors that we listen to, you know, those people that are even the most gung ho about investing in cryptocurrency. Can you imagine what percentage they're saying you should invest in Dave? Less than five. It is less than five. Okay. 1%. 1%. And the reason is, is because again, from a diversification play, you do achieve some more diversification by investing in something that does have you know, upside potential. Again, volatility is uh, assumed to be negative, but it can be a positive. So, and then the other thing is, is that it provides more of the, uh, maybe less of the quantitative returns, but maybe the qualitative returns to say that you are participating in something that 
might be the future. Mm-hmm. You know, I, again, you know, the blockchain technology, which is all this, uh, what all this exists upon, could be something very influential over the next 10 years as it continues to Well, grow. and they all use it differently, which is interesting. Yeah. You know, one of the reasons that, and I won't get into the pros and cons of any of them, um, but they utilize the technology differently, which is why you see some succeed and some of them that don't mm-hmm. do it quite as well. Right. Yeah. So I'm going to pitch you a fun one because I feel like you've, we've, we've, please, we've uh, abused your mind for long <laughs> enough here during this whole time. So we asked ChatGPT how to get rich quick. <laughs> and right. its answer was as a financial advisor, which I love how it leads with that because yeah. we asked it to do so. But as a financial advisor, I cannot recommend trying to get rich quick. There is no guaranteed whoa, whoa, way. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I cannot recommend trying to get rich quick. Yeah. Okay, Dave, you have my permission to get rich as quickly as possible. I'd love to. Okay. How do I, I, I do, just, how okay. do I, as a financial advisor, how do I do that? Well, <laughs> okay. He's, th- th- and I, I, I say ChatGPT is a he, he, she, it. They, this thing. Are say, they are <laughs> saying that, you know, I cannot recommend trying to get rich quick right at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I don't think any financial advisor would be against anybody trying to get rich quick. Yeah. If they have the ability to do so and safely, safely do so. And so, legally. Okay. So yeah. So with that yeah. caveat, please continue. Okay. There is no guaranteed way to make a quick profit and many get rich quick schemes turn out to be scams or high risk investments that can result in significant losses. Instead, it's important to focus on building long-term wealth through a disciplined investment strategy and sound financial planning. This approach can help you achieve your financial goals while minimizing risk and protecting your financial future. Hmm. Well, I kind of disagree with the second sentence where it starts with, there's no guaranteed way to make a quick profit. There's tons of ways. You just have to find them. Sure. Yeah. And um, I mean, you can exploit a lot of things and get rich quick. Now, I I don't disagree that the general idea, and again, this is ChatGPT painting with the wide brush again, Mm -hmm. you know, Focus on building long-term wealth, disciplined investment strategy. It doesn't even need to be a disciplined investment strategy that gets you to success. Um, I've said it once, I'll say it again. You know, the way that most people are finding success with their finances isn't because they've chosen the best investments year over year over year. If you're contributing, you know, 100 bucks a year to your 401k and, you know, always hitting on the best performing investment option in your portfolio, Mm -hmm. you're going to have great investment returns but that's not going to compound fast enough so that you can actually achieve whatever your retirement wishes are. It's a lot of the the nitty gritty unsexy stuff that gives you the success in the future to have uh, the ability uh, or at least the concept of retirement preparedness. So that could be, does the next dollar go against my mortgage? Does it go towards my kid's college education? Does it go into my 401k? Um, Do I consider building up my nest egg for the next purchase or the next big expense that's going to down the pipe. Such as like major home repairs, moving, vehicle purchases, things like that. Yes, correct. And, and because if we don't have that safety net in place, now we're talking about debt. And now we're talking right. about unhealthy kinds of debt. So not referring to like a mortgage, but rather uh, you know, predatory lending. Now we're talking about credit cards transferring balances from one card to another mm. to avoid the uh, percentages, ruining our credit. So again, outside of the scope of what ChatGPT is talking about here. But with these, with talking about getting rich quick, again, it doesn't necessarily have to do with the investment side of things. It could be doing a lot of things that will get you rich slowly, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. But it's not to discourage folks to say, hey, if you've got a business plan that says that you're out in five years because you've built something, as long as it's built on feasible numbers that could be vetted and you can have a sounding board to say you're not in your own vacuum, that 
yes, this cryptocurrency idea that I'm going to create, this new coin I'm going <laughs> to... The I'm new gonna, Colin coin, get in on it early. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hold on, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble for that one. But yeah, if, if you're going to do like an um, initial coin offering, an ICO as an example, and yeah, that's how I'm going to you know, be able to move to the Caymans or something like that. Okay, well, pump the brakes on that. Mm. But if you have a business plan, that's something you're identifying as interesting that maybe others aren't seeing quite yet. Maybe that's a real estate play. Maybe that's... Um, Oh, some kind of business idea that that other people would really value and you can grow into something sustainable and sell, that could be a way to get rich quick. But it's not for everybody. And so mm-hmm. again, for 95, 98% of people that are probably going to listen or watch this, it it's okay that you don't get rich quick. But to say that, I don't recommend getting rich quick. <laughs> I don't like, if you could be rich quick, I would rather you I be don't rich know. now than later. <laughs> I don't know who would not want that for yeah, sure. That, that, that part's ridiculous. Okay. So to be clear, Colin recommends getting rich quick. No, I'm joking. Yeah. Uh, Colin, thank no, you I for do. your time. I do. Get rich quick. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm interrupting you. You go ahead. <laughs> well, I was trying to let you plug all your stuff. Yeah. So um, definitely appreciate all your time today coming down here. You know, we have been trying to find a little bit different format. Uh, we talked so much about AI in all, all of our videos. Mm-hmm. Really wanted to have the opportunity to have a professional come in and provide the, you know, I don't know if I can say it, it's the professional expert, whatever we want to call it, advice versus this language model. And I think it does overall a pretty good job, but as you've illustrated, I mean, there's definitely some nuances, especially in the financial industry, you really have to be careful of. Yeah. Uh, and I think, you know, your introduction to AI, which has been through this uh, initial interview here, uh, it's kind of surprising what it gets right, but it's also kind of surprising concerning what it also gets wrong, you know, based upon right. some of your responses to that. So yeah. uh, Colin, thank you for your time. If you'd like to go ahead and plug that camera over there is all yeah. you. Colin Day, Correct Capital Wealth Management. You can visit us online at correctcap.com. Um, I would suggest finding me on LinkedIn. That's the easiest yep. way, Colin Day. It's very easy to spell. And I'll put a link up to where everybody can get to that easily and thank you. make it painless. Thank you. So if you if you feel like you have more nuanced questions of what ChatGPT can answer for you. <laughs> <laughs> Which is likely. Which I think is what we illustrated uh, over the course of this recording. Um, you know, just, just hit me up. I'm, I'm more than happy to at least have a 50 minute conversation with you to see if, you know, there, we might be a good fit for you. Yep. And definitely if you have any other questions you'd like for Colin to answer, send them our way and we'd be happy to, to get those published. Yeah. Again, Absolutely. thank you. All right. Thanks, Dave. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Correct Capital Wealth Management is a registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where correct capital wealth management and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advice may be rendered by correct capital wealth management unless a client service agreement is in place.